Hey everyone, my name is Mimi and you're listening to Human Dialectic. The topic I'm going to talk about seems very appropriate for the times in which we are living. I don't know what it is about this movie, but this movie is insane, but also insanely good. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Fantastic Planet. Now, for those of you who may be in your 30s or younger, you may not have heard of this movie. That's because this movie came out in 1973. But if you're a little bit older, you might recognize the title. But I will give a brief synopsis of this particular movie. I am going to have somebody, or at least I'm going to play a clip of somebody narrating exactly the plot of the movie. And I just... I don't know. I actually remember how I stumbled across this movie. I was on YouTube looking for some things and I saw it as a thumbnail. Of course, the AI had recommended it for me. And I watched this clip that I'm about to play and I had to look for the movie. Now, I did find it. It is actually in French, but I was able to find a version that was in English. So rather than just rambling and and telling you my opinions, and I will tell you what I think resonates with me when it comes to this movie, let me just give you a brief background regarding Fantastic Planet. So it is essentially about specific species that use humans as pets. So just to give a quick cliff notes on it. On the planet Gyam, the drags extremely technologically and spiritually advanced blue humanoids consider the tiny ohms human beings descendants of Terra's inhabitants as ignorant animals. Those who live in slavery are treated as simple pets and used to entertain drag children. Those who live hidden in the hostile wilderness of the planet are periodically hunted and ruthlessly slaughtered as if they were vermin. Now, that doesn't really give much context, but the whole plot is phenomenal. I mean, even the animation, because it is an actual uh, sci-fi animation production, I thought was phenomenal. It was very mesmerizing. The music was mesmerizing. And just seeing humans who were used as pets who were not at the top of the food chain was captivating and shocking and also resonating with me since on this podcast, we know that humans are not at the top of the food chain. Now, what does Fantastic Planet tell us? According to a particular review, this individual states that it tells us that if we want to reconcile our differences with other fellow humans, we must first exercise our ability to do so by reconciling our differences with other creatures inhabiting our planet with us. Now, this is a movie that came out in 1973. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because one, yes, it still resonates today, especially when you hear the audio. But back then, there were many authors, directors, producers who were given intel in terms of what the New World Order or the elites wanted to do. So it's no surprise that there were movies as far back as even like the 30s 
that would program the public and the public would not be aware that they are being told specific scripts about their history, their life, who they are. And I just think that Fantastic Planet, even though it was produced by a a French uh, production team and a French director, and it's actually based off of a book uh, that was written in 1953, it's still relevant. And I still believe that a lot of these authors were in an inner circle and were given information about who we are and what we are capable of. And it's being masked as entertainment. So I was completely shocked when I saw this movie. I think it is amazing. But at the same time, there are some themes, underlying themes that I've noticed, which I think we are actually seeing today. So theme number one is the fact that humans are not at the top of the food chain. It seems very hard to believe, especially if you're somebody who is new to this podcast, but we are not at the top of the food chain. Unfortunately, we are delicate uh, cuisine for specific species. I know that can be quite shocking for you that something could be eating us. And I'm not talking about wild animals, but that is the fact that is truth. Another theme that I noticed in this movie was just this idea of extraordinary capabilities and humans becoming superior. You may have heard of this idea that we are only using 10% of our brain. We're not really exercising our full potential. And if you think about our, our current system right now, we are working to survive. We're working to have a paycheck. But what if you had all of the time all the tools needed for you to truly exercise your gifts, your talents, your skills, you would be extraordinary. And I think the elites are already aware that when we are given the adequate equipment and support, not only would we become superior, we could most likely dominate a lot of species. They know this. And I'm beginning to believe this more and more that it is in fact true. This is why they want to keep us dumbed down. This is why they want us to be slaves, corporate slaves, I should say, to the system so that we don't get off of the plantation and try and do our own thing. The final theme that I noticed, and I don't know if this was something that was actually publicly communicated back in the 60s or 70s, probably not, But we hear a lot about overpopulation. We hear that there are too many people, that we need to kill off certain people, if not almost the entire population until we get to 500,000. That's the uh, Georgia Guidestones. It's been engraved. But it's also in other white papers that a lot of these elite figures have written. The theme regarding humans who reproduced at a rapid rate. So in the movie, and you'll hear this in the audio, these masters or sort of like the leaders of this uh, humanoid race, the ones that are using humans as pets, they stated that these humans can be extraordinary, but there needed to be a balance in the ecosystem. There couldn't be too many humans. But what happened 
was that there were colonies, human colonies, and they just grew rapidly. So these masters or these leaders of this civilization said that they're going to have to kill off many humans to return to a balanced system. Now, another thing that was mentioned in this movie was that these, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you guys are going to hear hear the, the audio clip anyway. Another thing that was revealed was that these species could not reproduce. They were, I guess, they were trying to figure out how to survive because they could not reproduce at the rates that humans could or just didn't come natural to them. So there were certain there were certain things that they would do through meditation. So their souls would go somewhere else and they would have specific rituals or we could say reproductive rituals with other beings in order to maintain their species and then also possibly exchange for uh, types of minerals or food or whatever it is to survive. That was mind-blowing to me because that is exactly what we are hearing today about overpopulation. There are too many people on this planet. I actually believe that the elites are not able to reproduce like we can as humans. So they feel as if we are taking over the planet and we are invading their planet. Therefore, in order to maintain the balance and for them to feel as if they can still maintain their superior status because they actually believe that they are gods, they're going to try and kill us off. So they view us as slaves. They view us as useless eaters and they want to get rid of us. So those were the parallels that I saw between what's happening now and what that movie was stating. It's crazy. But let me just play the clip. And this will actually be the last time you'll hear me. But hopefully when you listen to it, you feel uh, inspired to watch this movie. I'm telling you, it is amazing. You can find it on YouTube. I may even link the, the movie in the description. And I am not taking credit for this narration that you're about to hear. I will give the individual credit for this. He did a really good job. But uh, yeah, guys, hopefully you will enjoy what you're about to hear. It is very mind-blowing, very sci-fi. If you're into sci-fi, it's great. But just know that sometimes fiction is actually much, 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 much more real than you think. So anyway, I'll talk to you guys soon and uh, let's take it away. On a strange planet dominated by blue aliens called drags, we see that human beings play the role of small creatures that are raised as pets. So today on Cinema Recapped, I'll show you Fantastic Planet. The film begins with a human woman running away with a baby in her arms. We see that she is scared when she turns around as a giant blue hand treats her like a toy. She tries to escape, then is almost cornered and wounded with projectiles. And in the end, we see that the hand drops her from a great height. So. She dies next to her baby. Those who played with her were three alien children who run when they see people approaching. A family appears and a girl sees a crying human baby and decides to adopt him. A voiceover of a human man tells us how his life began there, living in the house of a family that performs astral meditations and they use a strange machine to place a necklace on him in order to control him. 
We see that the baby was not comfortable with the necklace, but it was used to drag it from one place to another with the wrist control. And the alien girl decides to name him Tear. Over time, the human pet learned that those aliens, called drags, spent most of their time meditating in a way that seemed to send their souls or minds to the sky. However, we see that they must also work, and that they have their executive boards in the whole thing. While on television, some drags say that they brought the human race from another planet, thinking that they were intelligent life, but that they discovered that they only had a certain ability to adapt and organize. There is a debate between whether these abilities can evolve into something else, saying that they have less of a lifespan than the drag race, but a greater capacity for reproduction. However, this capacity causes wild human colonies to spread too quickly. Unlike the luxury humans they use as pets, whose reproduction was well controlled. We see that Baby Terror serves as entertainment for the drag girl, who plays with him, bathes him, dresses him, and sometimes the boy rebels and bites her. The boy also witnesses how the family sleeps with machines that destroy and rearrange their bodies. We see that the drag girl tries to copy the human eyelashes on her face, and that Baby Terror plays a joke on her with black powder which she returns with a blow. Another one of the girl's toys is a rainy cloud that can chase the baby and even electrocute him. But even under these circumstances, the voiceover of Terra admits that the drag girl loved him and even taught him to speak. We see that the drag girl gets her education through a headband that transmits all the knowledge to her and that a malfunction in Terra's necklace made these lessons also reach his head. Outside the house, diamonds grow as if they were plants. And one day, the drag girl takes Tear for a walk. In ridiculous clothes, we see that Tear is trapped between diamonds that grow around his body. But the girl can break these diamonds using her whistle. Tear can also do this and has fun breaking all the diamonds. And another day, we see that some drag children use their humans to make them fight, joining them by the hair. The girl also wants Tear to fight, and they put him against an old man who starts singing until Tear makes him shut up by choking him, so the drag children have to get him off. Over time, we see that Tear even learned to take lessons himself using the headband, although the drag parents don't care because they believe that he does not know how to interpret these classes. However, they forbid the girl to take lessons with a human nearby as they believe the human can distract her. We see that the drag girl becomes a teenager who begins to spend time meditating and played less and less with the human and Ter, not being able to take more lessons with her, decided to run away from the house with the headband. When she realizes the absence of both possessions, the drag girl goes to her mother who tells her to use the remote control to bring the human back. And although the girl does not want to because it could hurt Ter, she ends up doing it anyway. We see that Ter is dragged by his necklace back home, but ends up stuck between two plants. And then another human appears with a gun to remove his necklace. This human also wears a necklace, but she says it is fake and she wears it to deceive the drags. Ter then tells her about the headband and the learnings they can get from it. The woman takes Ter through places where there are strange creatures until she reaches a den of wild humans who laughed at him because of his luxury human dress. This den is known as the Great Tree and Ter is brought before the leader Ter shows him that he knows how to interpret drag technology so he can help them avoid traps. At night, the leader feeds everyone some stones that make people shiny 
and we see that this is a ritual for going into pairs, finding a hiding place, and mate. Most wild humans gather to take lessons using the headband, but some believe that such knowledge is not good for humans. So they decide to carry out a combat to decide whether they should continue the lessons or not, in which the positive response wins. A kind of silkworm generates a new outfit for tear, and then wild humans take him on an expedition in which they steal things from drag people. But then another brand of wild humans steal these provisions from them. Back to the great tree, the humans continue to learn about the culture and history of the drags, while Ter gets a girlfriend. Suddenly we see a creature attacking the great tree. With its sticky tongue, it eats several humans. However, those who manage to escape hunt the creature, causing it to fall and they take its blood as a drink. Soon after, as they already know how to read the drag language, they realize that aliens have put signs in the surrounding areas in which they warn that they will carry out a massacre to get rid of all the wild humans in that region. The leader of the wild humans decides to set up some lookout posts to avoid being taken by surprise. And one night Terra is attacked by another wild group who kidnap him to ask him what he was doing in those territories. Terra explains that the drags are going to kill everyone in the surrounding areas the next day, and therefore they must escape. But the leader of this savage group does not believe him, because they think that Terra's group wants to steal their territory. The next morning, we see that drags start the massacre, using pills that generate deadly smoke for humans, while using other humans with masks to find them. Terra and others manage to escape, but many humans are hit by the pills and gas. When Terra returns to the great tree, he finds that most of his friends are dead. Although he sees his girlfriend was still alive, so they run away taking the headband with them. We see that outside the perimeter of the massacre, both groups of wild humans have united to survive. And then some drags appear saying that there is a horrible smell of human and they start crushing people with their feet. However, the humans counterattack with their weapons, killing one of the drags in exchange for dozens of human lives. The leader of the great tree died in battle, so the leader from the other savage group takes control of all survivors to take them somewhere safe. As they head there, the drag leaders discuss the death that the humans caused, accepting that they have become bolder and are getting out of control. They also realize that they already know how to read the drag language, since they arrange the supply boxes according to what they bring inside without having opened them. Then, they begin to propose measures to bring humans under control, such as multiplying the killing measures by six, a better regulation of the luxury human market, and starting to use a new type of deadly weapon against the wild ones. Meanwhile, in another place, we see that a creature is born and another licks it, as if it was its mother, but then, it eats it. Then we see that the group of survivors settled in an abandoned rocket factory in which they created a colony, although, they plan to dominate the entire planet. Many colonies of wild humans join them, and that with all the knowledge they had obtained from the headband, they managed to minimize the drag tools so they can use them. Thanks to this, they managed to build two rockets while discovering the drags plan a big wild human massacre. Then one day, machines appear in the abandoned factory and throw circles of light that adhere to any surface in which serves for human recognition. Meanwhile, the leader of the humans dies, saying that they must leave in the rockets to another world in which they called 
fantastic planet. And shortly after, we see that new machines to kill humans appear, ending with dozens of these per second. The two rockets are launched, while hundreds of humans are left to die in the factory in horrible ways. When the rockets reach the fantastic planet, we see that humans find giant headless sculptures there. They realize that when the drags meditate, their souls are not only sent to the sky, but that they reach these headless bodies to meet creatures from other planets with whom they perform their own ritual of reproduction in exchange for nutrients that is vital for their race to survive. Knowing this, humans begin to destroy the giant sculptures, causing panic in the minds and bodies of the drags. Then, the drags decide to make peace with the humans, and we see that many years later, a drag child takes a lesson in which it is explained that after this agreement between races, the drags created a second and artificial planet that humans called Earth and filled it with cities. The End